Welcome to the Touchdown Rundown. We talk about the NFL. We are doing that on a Friday, a little later than our normal scheduled time. Apologies about that. I've had a little bit of trouble today with finding a recording studio because it's just one of those days today, honestly. Um, joining me, of course, is my favorite co-host, my only co-host, so I guess his favorite and the, the least favorite. I don't know if that's, uh, if that's a compliment or an insult, Tony. You can weigh in on that in a second, but it's Tony Nometti. Um, and we're here to do our week 13 show. We're going to take a quick look at the playoffs, talk about the rookie class and, and just see what the day takes us. Honestly, we kind of want to interact with the, the listeners. We're going to tease an excellent new surprise that we have, uh, for next week's episode. But Tony, the, the floor is yours. If you want to weigh in on the insult. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm going to take it as a compliment because I'm going to throw it right back at you since you're my only co-host. Therefore, I'm just going to go ahead and just say that you're my favorite co-host. I mean, haven't left the show yet so you're doing something right so yeah i guess you know yeah no that's totally fair it is a the touchdown rundown is is about a year old uh a, a month ago and tony's been here for most of that ever since i got him on and you know what he hasn't left me he hasn't left the touchdown rundown so i have to, i will take that as a compliment because it, it must mean i'm doing something sort of right um you know the, the other option i guess is that well, you know what? I'm just going to stick with that. I think it is. Uh, we're, we're great together. I think you guys think we're great together, and he's probably one of the the best football minds I know. Uh, that's you know, that that's here with me. I think he's he's kind of brilliant. And Tony, this has turned into an awkward ramble, so I am going to shuffle away. This is why we do scripts and don't have papers that are due when we should be writing our show scripts. Um, <laughs> I'll take it, Tom. Keep going. I don't I don't, I don't mind the compliments. <laughs> I've been yeah, a total well, moron for the past four weeks. I love to hear that I'm a brilliant mind. <laughs> you know what? It's as I've been told many and many a time. Uh, it is not about how many games you pick right. It's about your analysis, right? Games do not correlate to your knowledge game because otherwise, I was an idiot for about the first eight weeks of the season. <laughs> so I, I hope it's not. <laughs> I, I hope it. I hope it doesn't correlate. Um, Anyway, so let's uh, let's go to that first segment I talked about. We're going to talk about the the playoffs. We're, we changed up knock and lock a little bit. If you guys want to go see our game picks, I highly recommend that you hop on over to the Sports 2.0 Network. We just did a show where we went over every single uh, game pick, and we talked about the MVP a little bit, which I think was, you know, I thought that was a really interesting discussion. So we are going to change it up. We're not going to do game picks. We're going to talk about the playoffs and the playoff picture overall. Um, so for the AFC, the order is something like this. The Baltimore Ravens lead the AFC North. They're the number one seed overall. Patriots are two. Uh, they have they currently lead the AFC East. Leading the South are the Titans, the West are the Chiefs. Yes, those same Chiefs that everyone said were going to miss the playoffs earlier in the season. Uh, and then we get to the wild cards. The, the Bengals are in five. The Bills, six. The Chargers are in seven. Um, and then going right out, looking in, outside looking in, Raiders at eight. Broncos at nine, Colts at ten, and then I, what I, a category I, guess I would call back of the pack. Uh, it's the Steelers, the Browns, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Texans, and the Jags. I think maybe the Jets and the Texans and the Jags is their back of the pack, and and Steelers, Browns, Dolphins should be outside looking in. What- yeah, I can kind of see that. The, the AFC has been a little, uh, a little odd. I, I honestly think they're kind of they're the weaker conference i think that's become pretty apparent uh they have definitely stepped up and come back a little bit the patriots have been awesome after going you know two and four they've been definitely a very very strong team in the afc i think they have the best chance right now of making it to the super bowl of all the teams Uh, i don't think it's going to be the ravens 
uh, I think this week's matchup between Patriots and Bills actually is going to be a humongous teller to how the AFC is going to end up. Oh, absolutely. I think it's it's going to be an incredibly critical game for both, right? Because it's going to dictate not only um, if you know if the Patriots win it, they could be potentially taking the number one seed overall in the conference. And if they lose it, the Bills could then, you know, they would slide up. They would become either the, the third or fourth seed, uh, depending on how Kansas City goes. You know, I mean, it would be a real, it would be a big reshuffling if the Patriots, because then the Patriots would become the fifth seed. Um, so, yeah, it would, it, it would be a huge Absolutely. Um, I think, so I guess how the segment wants to go from my understanding for the knock and lock. Now we want to push into who we think's a lock for the playoffs that isn't currently in there or is on the fringe and uh, knock somebody that is either close or in it right now. Is that correct, Tom? Yeah, that's what I was going for. Ideally it's just, um, you know, it's okay. not picking like if you say, Oh, the Ravens are my lock. Yeah. I mean, they should make it as they're a three loss team with uh, only a handful of games left to go. Um, so it's trying to pick somebody who's who's kind of hovering in that five to ten range, if you will. Yeah. Okay. I do like that. Um, I'll kick it off here. Do we want to start with locks or knocks first, Tom? You know what? All right. I'm going to go ahead and start with the lock. I'm actually going to lock the Niners. I think that they have. Uh, they're currently in at the sixth seed as of right now. If the season would end right now, they would play the Bucks at the three seed. Um, Washington football team is the only team one game back behind the Niners in the playoff race. But I do think that the Niners have stepped up uh, after last last season where they had so many injuries. The first half of this season was kind of just rebuilding that chemistry, right? Like if you have that many players go out to injury, sure, some of them will come back and they'll be the same player, but a lot of them are going to come back and not be the player that they once were. So it was really a question of how good this team was going to be. Uh, we were pretty confident coming around at the gate. They were not going to be the Super Bowl team of, you know, two years ago. But I do definitely think that with the chemistry that they have seemed to build in the past couple of weeks and the improvement this team has made overall, I think that they are going to trend up from here. Their toughest challenges are going to be, you know, because they're in the NFC West, they play the Rams, they play the Cardinals twice a year each. Like, that is... That's a lot of games against a lot of really, really talented teams. Uh, but I do think that the Niners are going to be able to hold their own in games outside of their division, and that's going to be what keeps them in this playoff race. I'm going to lock them. How about the AFC? Not to put you on the spot, um, but for the AFC, is there a team that you feel – I know you said it was the weaker and a little bit more chaotic conference. Is there a team that you feel confident in locking in the AFC? I'm actually fairly confident in locking the Bengals after seeing what they were able to do to the Steelers. There was a couple weeks where they really faltered. Uh, We didn't know what quite was going to be happening with them, but I think it's safe to say that every great team has a stretch where they just aren't very good. I think we saw that Packers week one absolutely got destroyed by the Saints. Very uncharacteristic game. We're seeing the Rams now. I think they're a great team. Matthew Stafford has thrown three straight games of pick sixes. Like, I think that that's just something that happens. So I think that we saw the Bengals have their stretch of bad games. And then I think they kind of righted the ship, if you will, with that game against the Steelers. We'll see if that continues through the season, but I am pretty confident they will make the playoffs. Ooh, I really like that. I kind of figured you'd go Bills. Um, Yeah, can you imagine in the the offseason saying that the Bengals would be competing for a wildcard spot? 
yeah, it's really strange to think about when I'm like actually saying, oh, the Bengals, they're going to be a playoff team. When two years ago they had the number one pick in the draft, like it really goes to show how good they have drafted the past couple of years. Joe Burrow has been absolutely phenomenal. Jamar Chase obviously has been fantastic and the defense has really stepped up as well. So I think it's a huge credit to the organization and the coaching staff for kind of assembling the right players. Now, do I think this team is going to make it to like a Super Bowl? No, absolutely not. But I do think that they are good for the playoffs and potentially against the right team, even. Yeah, no, I, there are a few wide receiver quarterback combos that are that young in Burrow and Chase that I think you want to see in the playoffs. Like looking at this, I don't think there's that combo in the Ravens that you're scared of or the Patriots, maybe the Titans if they're healthy. The Chiefs obviously have that. I think the Bills have that. The Chargers have that. The Raiders used to have it. But like that is one of the scarier duos in the AFC. And I guess, like you said, the right team, they can light it up. They'll put up yards. They'll put up points. And as we saw them do – um, you know, against other teams, they can just absolutely, they're good for points uh, in the right situation. My lock is going to be the Bills. It's not because I feel great about the Bills' future. I actually think they're, they're the second best team in their own division. Um, it's because that one, at seven and four, they're still, you know, they're still in the playoff hunt, right? The, you know, the teams after them are six and five, six and five, six and five, and then six and six. So they have some wiggle room, and I feel pretty confident that they'll pick up a couple more wins. I believe they still have to play the Jets once, and um, I, so I, they should be good for a win there. Um, but they have, they're really close with the Patriots for overtaking them to get back into the division champions one through four slot so i feel like they should make it right but the the fact that the buffalo bills are sixth is a mind is just mind-blowing to me i definitely thought they would have been a lock to win that division and it shows you how fast things can change yeah absolutely it's been it's been really weird to see and really disappointing for me as i uh drafted him very high in my fantasy league stefan diggs has just not been what he was last year and it has been disappointing to see uh, the Bills' defense has been, you know, phenomenal. They haven't been able to generate a lot of pressure against quarterbacks. They rank 26th in the league in sacks, uh, and they have allowed a decent amount of rushing touchdowns. But other than that, they rank first or top five in most categories. Now, flipping to the offensive side, they technically are fourth uh, when you look at all of the metrics. But you can see that this is not the team that was last year. Uh, they're not. They're really bad in fourth down percentage. They are pretty bad in turnovers. They're decent everywhere else. Uh, but I just don't think that this team is what it was last year. The defense has largely carried it to a lot of their wins. And if we can just see that Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen chemistry again, I think this team would get a lot better, which is weird to say because Josh Allen has quietly had an MVP worthy year. So as weird as it is that he's had an MVP year, Stefan Diggs has fallen off quite a lot, which is disappointing. But I would like to see him step up, continue to do what he did last year. I think this team would get a whole lot better if he can become a true, you know, top of. Yeah, I think he's done a lot better in the past couple of weeks. That's one that, you know, in the offseason, it's going to be interesting to go back and look at the numbers and see why he's fallen off. Is it the addition? of Emmanuel Sanders? Is it just that, you know, teams have adjusted him more? Is it that Allen? I mean, I think Allen is, is regressed a little bit, so that'll be interesting. Um, in the AFC, who's your knock? Who's a team that's close and that's probably going to miss the playoff? 
That is a great question. Honestly, if I had to look, as weird as it is to say, of all of these teams that are currently in right now, I think I might knock the Chiefs because I just don't I don't see oh, them wow, being okay. anything particularly special. The Chargers would also be right there. Actually, I'm going to flip to the Chargers. The Chargers are my knock. I think the Chargers are actually my knock for the uh, entire thing. Truly, they started off really hot. Started off four and one, six and five now, and they have not been very good against really any team. They gave up what thirty three, thirty eight, something like that to the Broncos. Um, embarrassing loss. They only put up ten. The Broncos aren't a terrible team, but they are not the team that you want to see, you know, beating up on you that bad. If you really want to make a playoff push, so I think I'm going to knock the Chargers, which you know it's kind of the easy way out since they are the seventh seed, so it's statistically the most likely but I do think that they are a team that is regressing every week and they're going to need a lot of major turnaround from their defense especially if they want to stay in the play I'm going to be honest I did not think you would pick a team that's currently in Tanakh I kind of figured you'd maybe say the Broncos because you know they're in that range Um, since you didn't take them I will because I'm not a huge believer in the Broncos I do think that they're going to struggle down the stretch. I think, you know, they're six and five right now, but I do genuinely think the Chiefs should win. They'll be six and six. And I'm just not, a, I, I'm not buying in. Their defense is not as good as it needed to be this season to compensate for a poor to average offense. Like Teddy Bridgewater is good at not turning the ball over and being consistently average. And he has been consistently average and the defense has been consistently below average. So it's just not the right recipe. And I could see them dropping off. I mean, I think the Chargers are definitely fair game. Um, and I think the three teams, the three AFC West teams, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Broncos, I think those are all knocks. Personally, I think that the, the seven teams that, I mean, six teams we have, right? The Ravens, the Patriots, the Titans, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the, and the Bills, they're going to stay. And I honestly see the Colts who are sitting at six and six. I think uh, they're going to sneak in over those AFC West teams because, like you said, the Chargers have just, you know, for they have just completely kind of fallen apart down at the stretch down the stretch. I think teams have adjusted a little bit more to the new offense that they were running. And, you know, they've kind of been figured out a little bit. It's up to them to adjust, to respond and to prove me wrong. But um, I think that, I think that they're my knock. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, okay. So let's hop on over to the, the NFC then. Uh, obviously the Cardinals lead the conference nine and two. Then they're your beloved Green Bay Packers, the Bucks, the Cowboys, the Rams, uh, the Four ers and the Washington football team. Those are the playoff teams right outside looking in are the Vikings, the Falcons, the Eagles. Then, you know, less realistically looking in, like if, if look on the outside looking in is looking through the front window, the Panthers, the Saints, uh, excuse me, the Eagles, the Panthers and the Saints. Uh, and the Giants, they're probably looking from your porch, maybe. Like, they're not all, they're not right up against the window. They're a little bit farther away, maybe the driveway, actually. Um, and then, uh, go ahead, Tony. You just had to throw in your little, uh, your little looking into the looking in to get your Panthers in. I did. I really did. I had to really do some magic there. Um, then the Bears, the Seahawks, the Lions, like, if there's looking in is the window, and then, like, look on the outside looking, on the outside looking in, that is the driveway, then the Bears, the Seahawks, and the Lions. I think the Bears and the Seahawks are driving by, and the Lions are in a plane directly above your house trying to look down at it um, and find it. They're just, I mean, 0-10-1. Oh, they're, they're not mathematically eliminated, but they will be shortly. Um, 
who's your lock here? Like of the of the kind of scattered teams, because this is a really interesting one. You have a lot of five and six teams that you could work with that are questionable teams that could sneak. I'm going to lock the Niners. Uh, I think that the only reason the Niners are at the record they are at and will not have the flashiest record is because of the division. They're, they're in the NFC West. They're going to play you know, the Rams and the Cardinals combined four times this year. Those are two extremely difficult teams to play multiple times. So I think if you're the Niners, you are better than your record shows. I think... At the beginning of the season, they were kind of, eh, I'm, I'm not 100% confident they're going to come back. They have slowly kind of re-evolved as a team. They are slowly coming back to not quite the team they were two years ago, but getting there and getting to a place where they could definitely cement themselves into the playoff race. I think that they're, if you look outside of their division, they're going to be pretty successful against other teams that are, you know, actually you know, realistic teams in the NFL that you will play and not the upper echelon of teams. So I think that outside of the division, they're going to gain quite a few wins and it's going to be what takes them the rest of the way to lock them into the. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, I agree 100%. I kind of, not that it was stolen, right. Um, it, you know, it's fair game because you went first, but I didn't really think that that would have been my pick because they look so awful at times in the beginning of the season. It really does feel like they've turned it around. Um, I almost feel like the Rams aren't fair game, but at the same time, they are fair game, if that makes any sense, because of the way that they've struggled. Um, but I am going to take the Vikings because they are one game behind the football team and the current tiebreaker. Um, is because Washington, the Washington football team has the best win percentage in conference games. I don't think that it's going to to actually maintain uh, because the Washington football team is five and two in conference games, but they have yet to play both of the both of their games against the Cowboys. Whereas the Vikings are four and three. The Falcons are not going to get that tiebreaker back at all because they're two and five in against uh, NFC teams. So I actually like the Vikings to come up and steal against the Washington football team just because I truly. The Vikings are too good to fail. Like that's what it feels like it should be. They're too good to miss the playoffs. I actually do really like that one. I was I was debating between the Niners and the Vikings. So I was I was I'm glad you took. Yeah, I mean those are two teams that are obviously I think worse than their record. And like you said, for the 49ers, there's a very obvious point to it. And with the Vikings, it's just like I have no idea what's your problem. Um, now let's go to the knock segment, which I think is going to be kind of tricky. I think there's, there are two obvious ones for knock, right? Um, Washington and Atlanta and my, you know, we're kind of on the same page. Yeah, I was, I think I was going to pick Washington out of those. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and, and give your reason? Uh, yeah, I just don't think that this team is all that they have a losing record. Um, I think that. They had a couple games where Heineke kind of played some hero antics, and because of that, they're actually a little bit worse than the record shows somehow. So I think that while they're in, they're in it now. They're at the very bottom. I do think that Minnesota and I think potentially the Eagles are going to come up and uh, sweep them out of it as well. So I think that in the next, I'm going to give it the next two to three weeks. They're going to be well outside of the uh, playoff. Now you didn't lock them, but from what you said, are you know how high are you on the Eagles? Because you didn't lock them, so you don't think they're that, you know, that likely to make it. But at the same time, you know, I do think that they're better. Than- I do think that they are better than 
I think that they're better than the football team for sure. I think that if I had to pick between, you know, the seven spots open, I think the rest of them are pretty locked up. I think that the seven is the only one that can a, a team can possibly move into right now. If you're giving me Minnesota or Philadelphia, I'm going to take Minnesota out of those two teams. But I don't think Philadelphia is really that outside of, you know, other teams. Because, like, with Minnesota, we've seen, you don't know. Like, they're, they're, I think they're a great team. They're five and six. So it, as much as they should be winning, they're not. So maybe we see, like, the Lions this week. This is the ultimate game between two teams that just love to blow it. Like, what if the Vikings finally give the Lions a win, in which case the Vikings drop to 5-7? and seven. At that point, I think I would give it to Philadelphia, because then, uh, assuming the, the Eagles beat the Jets, then Philadelphia would record-wise be over the Vikings, and I, I don't want to lock the Vikings against the Lions. Like, I'm really not confident in it, even though they're clearly the better team. So I think with how fickle... Minnesota has been if they can get some consistency they're absolutely a playoff team 100% they just haven't got no that's fair I do think that yeah they're they should be like the Eagles are a weird team like they they started off so bad and they've really they really closed the gap and then they played so weirdly against the Giants I was so sure that the Eagles would beat the Giants because the Giants have been nothing special um you know in part because of the injury bug in part because they're just not a good team um and yeah, I, I'm gonna. You took Washington, which I think is pretty fair. I think of the two teams, the Falcons maybe have the better chance of sneaking in. But I did not realize that that conference head to head tiebreaker was so in Washington's favor that it, they will probably, if they finish with the same record as the Falcons, should realistically have that tiebreaker in hand. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Falcons up and down team, right? There's some days where they're good. There's some days where they're good. There's some days where they're really horrible. Uh, just look at the Cowboys and uh, yeah, their game against the Cowboys primarily, and then um, the Patriots where they lost by 25. It was just a horrendous outing, all things considered. Um, so you know, they're they're so up and down. I don't know how would you. Is there a way to fix them? Out? I don't. I don't think there's really a way. Just because this. This team just isn't quite all there. Like they're five and six, yes. They're one and two in the NFC South. Okay, fine. I just don't think that they're gonna be able to do all that much because if you look at the remainder of their schedule, it's not particularly easy. They play Tampa Bay, then they play Carolina, which that's a fifty fifty game. I don't know if I'm gonna give that to Atlanta necessarily. Then they play San Francisco. That should be a loss. Then they play the Lions. That should be a win, but who knows? Then they play Buffalo. That'll be a loss. And then they play New Orleans. That should be a loss. So I think that even if the Atlanta kind of fixes themselves and gets to where the talent level that they could achieve, their schedule is just going to be too difficult to maintain that against these great teams. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Um I don't know. They, they're in a they're in a tough spot. One because I do think that they're they're almost trying to do the simultaneous competitive rebuild a little bit because they're trying to they're trying to stay competitive. Like I said, they needed to draft a quarterback this year and blow it up. And instead, they took Pitts. They kept Matt Ryan. Uh, you know, with the new coaching staff seems to be figuring it out. And then they'll take a couple of steps backwards every week. So it's they're they're a hard team to get a feel on. And I do maintain that they should have blown it up. Do you think they should have blown it up? Are are you taking them? Uh, 
if they should have done anything, it was trade Matt Ryan. I don't think they should have cut him or anything, but I think if they would have traded him, that wouldn't have been. Oh, no, I'm not saying cut. Cut would be a horrible mistake. For one, probably, I, I, if I recall, he's got a very bad <laughs> salary cap number. I was saying trade, try probably. and sell off assets to a quarter. There's a team that would take. Yeah, I definitely think that if you, last year was the year to do it, right? Like, he wasn't bad last year. He threw for 4,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. That's respectable stat line. That's a stat line that a lot of teams will take right now. That's a lot of yards, at least. So, like, he can still throw the ball in an offense that isn't that particularly great otherwise. Now you look at this year. He has a higher completion percentage, sure. He's on track for not quite as many yards, but, you know, about 4,000-ish. 16 touchdowns, but he already has 11 interceptions. He has taken a significant fall off. Now, yes, Julio's gone. They're absolute number one target. Kyle Pitts hasn't been – he's been good, but he hasn't quite been, like, generational yet. I think he will no, get they've there. They've been missing Calvin Ridley to – Yeah, true. So, like, I think if if there was a time to trade him, it was certainly last year. Last year was kind of – last year was likely his last, you know, truly decent year at quarterback. Uh, you're not going to get a whole lot out of him now after this year unless he really turns or, turns it around and cuts the interceptions down, keeps the touchdowns going. Uh, you can trade him after this year, but there's not any, like, good quarterbacks in the draft. Like, they're going to have to go into free agency or get a big trade for one of the quarterbacks from last year. Like, I don't know, you, maybe you try to get Justin Fields if the Bears are really out of him after one year, but I doubt that happens. No. So, yeah, I don't... If you're going to blow it up this year, you're going to get a lot less than you would have got out of, out of it last year, and there's not going to be as much for you to gain. So what you're saying is I'm allowed to take a victory lap on blow it up Falcons. Yeah, I think you should take a victory lap because I okay, done. <laughs> I was I was I don't think I was with you on that take, so I think I was wrong on that one. You actually you had a really smart nuanced take. I believe you said that they should take Horn because they you said that the secondary is so atrocious. Like and I was like, I could see it, but they just need to blow it up. And you know, when you blow it up, secondary pieces are not what you're looking for. Take a shot on a on a young rookie. So I actually don't think you were that off. Yeah, I I I, I do remember I said they should they should stick with Matt Ryan for another couple of years, and that take's not looking great right now. It's not looking terrible. It's not looking great either. You're right. Yeah, you did. You did say that. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, that, that, that yeah, does, you can't win them all. <laughs> that, that did, you know what? You definitely cannot win them all. You win. You win enough and fall. <laughs> as our head, head, as yeah. our pick would go. <laughs> enough to enough for you to not kick me off. <laughs> not, I can't kick you off the show. I don't think people are here for me. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not here for me. If if they were here for me, my credibility would have been gone in about in about five weeks of pickums. Um. Let's talk trade destinations, though. I did see not a rumor, but just like a speculation that, hey, if Rodgers does leave Green Bay, and I know you think he won't, but let's say he does. Um, I've heard that Matt Ryan is linked to Green Bay because Green Bay has an offense that he can essentially step into, um, you know, and would would there be a drop off, of course, but he'd be able to step into it and there would be weapons and a system in place. You just would have. Uh, I don't. I mean, if you if the, if you're the Falcons, right, and you trade, you want to throw Matt Ryan in a trade package for Aaron Rodgers. You better throw Kyle Pitts, your entire O line, 
and Calvin Ridley and quite a few draft picks in to go with it. Because, you know, Matt Ryan is, I don't know if Matt Ryan's older, but he is not that great anymore. Aaron Rodgers is still in the MVP conversation. So if you really wanted to do a trade package for him, I don't think it's possible for Atlanta. I think if you're, if, if Rodgers is going to go absolutely anywhere, I think he's going to go to Denver or Pittsburgh. Big Ben needs to retire. He, they need to do something about him. If he doesn't want to retire, they need to get rid of him. He's not that good. He can't throw farther than 30 yards accurately anymore. And Denver, Bridgewater has been a game manager, but not, not anything more than that. So I do think that one of those two teams could be a great destination for him if he leaves. I don't think that he will. Uh, but at the same time, I could see the connection between uh, LaFleur and Matt Ryan because LaFleur was the, uh, I think, the quarterback coach or the offensive coordinator or something uh, back when Matt Ryan that was been, He would have been quarterback coach because Shanahan was coordinator. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was quarterback coach when Matt Ryan won the MVP that year, which is why people were so excited to have LaFleur come in with Rodgers just to see what he would do. Clearly, that was a good idea. So I do see, you know, there are connections there, but I just don't think that as an organization, Goody is going to be up for that. I think Goody is a great GM. He's made some great, you know, trades, some great pickups. This year especially has been phenomenal. I don't think he would be dumb enough to do this with the Falcons, at least, unless they were to offer, you know, pretty much the entire organization. Well, well, here's the thing is I wasn't thinking that they would do Rodgers for uh, Matt Ryan because that would imply that Rodgers wants to go to the Falcons. What I was thinking is that, like, either Rodgers – you would know more about his current contract situation than I would – is he would he be a free agent, or would he, uh, I think, would he have to be traded? I think he his contract ends in twenty twenty three. I think with an opt out in twenty two or something like that. Mm, okay, because uh, I was going to oh. say so he has to be traded then. So let's say he gets traded, and the Falcons um, are uh, want to get rid of Matt Ryan. The Packers are like, hey. You know, we're not sold on Jordan Love. We still have a ca- you know high caliber roster that we think we can win now. We'll send you Jordan Love and some assets. I would imagine for Matt Ryan. Do you think that that's a trade that they'd go for? Because this is assuming they have assets because they got rid of Rodgers, so they can attach those assets um, to to that trade package. Well, if you get rid of Rodgers and you're, there's not really reason to go for Ryan of all people, like. He's going to be expensive. He's probably going to have a pretty decent cap hit against you. You should probably just maybe take a tank season and then go into the draft next year, the year after, because this year they don't really have any quarterbacks. I don't think... I think that this year has been good for the Packers-Rodgers relationship. You know, he wanted uh, Randall Cobb. They picked up Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb has been fantastic. He has been a cornerstone piece in this offense once again. I think that adds a lot of credibility to, you know, Rodgers as a quarterback with with insight and how he should have insight. That was like his whole thing. Like, I am the leader of this offense. I should have some say in who we have, which I think is totally fair. Uh, Peyton Manning 
Tom Brady, Drew Brees, they all had say in who the organization brought in and let go. Rodgers just had none of that, and I think he well deserves it. So seeing that Randall Cobb has come in and actually been a fantastic piece for us, I think that's going to open up the organization to go, okay, you you know, you recommended this one. We picked him up. We gave you some faith, and it did really well. He was fantastic. He was a huge piece in that Cardinals win, I believe, one of those wins. A big win for us. He had some big numbers. Uh, so I do think that if they can just get to a point where they can sit down, you know, Rodgers gives input, Packers take that input, it do at least some of it. They'll keep a good relationship. I think they've had a good relationship this year. The COVID stuff hasn't seemed to affect anything in the organization. That's fine. So I'm not worried about that. I just, I think that if they can continue to have a good open dialogue between the two of them, which is all that Rodgers really seems to want, then they should be fine after this year, especially if they win a Super Bowl. So to play devil's advocate, because I, I personally think that Rodgers, you know, look, Wilson did maybe the Russell Wilson equivalent of getting angry and, and requesting a trade because he, he listed those destinations. I think we did a show on it, actually. Um, if we didn't, I at the very least wrote an article about it. Um, but like, let's say Rodgers wins the Super Bowl. Does that almost like I fulfilled my promise? This was the last dance. And then he either retires because he can't get traded or does get traded. Um, you know, like, let's play that hypothetical. You know, I know you want to tank, but do you think ownership wants to tank? Like, okay, not ownership because they don't have owners unless you bought uh, Green Bay's Packers stock. Well, technically, I'm an owner. Very true. So as <laughs> as an ownership, would you want a tank here to then go 50-50 on a rookie when you have fields, right? Like, excuse me, not fields, love. Like, this is why you have. Okay, yes, this is why you have love, but we also anticipated love would actually be decent, or I guess we being Goody anticipated that love would be decent. He was the only person in the world that wanted that pick. Uh, of course, he was the one guy that could make that pick. I, after the Chiefs game, I kind of lost some faith in him a little bit. I thought he would come out, you know, he'd have a pretty decent show, and you sat behind Rodgers for like a year and a half now. You should be able to do something, and he just couldn't do anything whatsoever. It was disheartening as a Packers fan to see that, you know, this could be our future. I guess I don't know because I don't think I don't. I guess I don't know who the uh, the free agent quarterbacks would be after this season. But assuming there's not really any, you kind of just got to tank and go for the draft the next year because there really is no other option. Like, sure, if you want to start love, go for it. But you're not going to win many games with that guy after after the show in that he had in Kansas City. Like, it's just not going to happen. So then, you know, I agree that this is not the draft of quarterbacks. And if you're, you know, if you are a quarterback, you're not going to be taken number one overall. I think that most people are at least people who know what they're talking about in the draft. Like I think Campbell Jones, if he was on, he would tell us, do not take a quarterback this year. There's no, there's, you know, do not, do not take a quarterback because there's not a quarterback that is going to be worth taking in the first like 10 positions, I believe was, you know, were some mock drafts that he was talking about. Um. But if you don't believe in love and you know that you can't draft a quarterback who can step into this win-now offense, a defense that's finally surging, um, you know, I'm not convinced that they're going to take a tank here. And I almost would be inclined to think that they would trade. Do you think that, you know, assuming Rodgers is sent somewhere, you have extra assets, whatever they may be, I don't know what that trade would look like. I really can't even imagine to begin what that trade would look like. Um, you know, 
who would you want, I guess, that you think you can get if you're a Packers fan and technically as a Packers Um, well, I guess if there's one team, if, okay, so assuming I, I have to trade Rodgers, I cannot keep Rodgers for another year, which maybe it's possible. Honestly, why not go to Seattle? Why not get Russ? Russ wants out. Like, if Rodgers really wants to be traded that bad, then go for it, champ. You think that's the, you think that's the best option is, is to grab that's Russell? The best option, that's the best option for the Packers, I think, because, I mean, let's, let's rewind the hands of time and go back three to four years. What was everybody saying about Russell Wilson? He's a younger Rodgers, which I think is still fairly true. Russell's just on a terrible team with no O-line. So if you're going to go and just get anybody for this guy, I think you get Russ because Russ is pretty much Rodgers again, and he's way younger. He can still do it. He can still throw the ball really, really well, give him some time, give him some weapons. Russell Wilson, Devontae Adams, I mean, I, I know Russ loves DK, but if you're giving Russ the option between DK Metcalf and Devontae Adams, I can bet you $1,000 which one he's going to pick. And it's not DK. So I do think that if you have to trade him, you have to get rid of him, you have to send him somewhere, you can probably get Russ and maybe some extra assets with Russ for Rodgers. Would it be that crazy then? Like, I, like if you're willing to comp that there is a situation, I know like Wilson would be your preferred, but, you know, is Matt Ryan really not? I'm not saying they're the same caliber player. I don't want this to be sound that crops up in 20 years when Russell Wilson's being inducted to the Hall of Fame or something. And it's like, Tom's Willer, you know, notable football expert, said that Russell Wilson was the same as Matt Ryan. Not what I'm saying at all. Um, but if you can't get Russell Wilson, either for price or he doesn't want to move, um, you know, is Matt Ryan? Yes. I think Matt Ryan is absolutely asinine to go after because he's going to be probably about as expensive as Russ would be with at best half the talent at this point. And, you know, how old is Matt Ryan? He's getting up there. I want to say 37, 36. Matt Ryan's 36. How old is Russ? Russ is 33. So now three years is a long time when you're a franchise and you have a great team. Great teams don't usually last past three or four years as it is. So if you're going to take anybody, Russ is the best option. Matt Ryan is a terrible option, I think. He's too expensive. He's not worth the money. He's not that talented anymore. Yes, you're giving him a much better team, so maybe he does have a rebound year by his standards, but any kind of a rebound year that he's going to have is not going to be anything near the... No, I I think you're right. I think Russ would be... I think I think I'm almost inclined to say Ryan would be the better fit, but I think Russ has the higher ceiling. Um, but yeah, so I, I think you're right. I honestly I do think that Rodgers is going to stay, especially if they win a Super Bowl, um, just because you know getting the Super Bowl is the happy ending. But if he does, if he doesn't get it, I don't know. Okay, how about this? Which is more like if he? Which is more likely for him to stay? Like, what's the better scenario? Winning a Super Bowl? You think if he loses, he's going to leave? I don't think he's going to leave either way. I don't think 
So everybody seems to think that it's like, oh, the Packers haven't been able to win the Super Bowl. That's why he wants to leave. He wants to go to a team that can. I don't think that's it. It's not the winning and the losing. It's the fact that the team has made stupid decisions every year that don't make the team better now. Like the past five or six years, they've done one of two things. They've either gotten rid of players that Rodgers has openly really liked or they have, you know, made it to the NFC Championship, lost in the NFC Championship, and then they pick a player that doesn't help the team now. Like, you're one game away from the Super Bowl. You're so close. Why are you playing for the future? It doesn't make any sense when you have an all-time great quarterback at your hands right now. Who knows how much longer he's going to be great for? Why are you not playing to your strength as it is? If they would have just, you know, buckled down and done the win-now strategy... Maybe the past three NFC Championship losses, maybe two of them are Super Bowl appearances, maybe even one of them's a win, two of them's a win. Like, that completely changes. I think if that were to happen, that we never would have had this conversation about Rodgers being upset with the organization. That's why, because they're just doing stupid things. It's not the winning and the losing. If they were actively trying to get the pieces to win now, and it just wasn't happening, I think we we don't have this story. It's just the fact that they're not no, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, as a Packers fan, I am going to, you know, to take your word for that. Um, but one thing you said that I'm going to use as a transition as we kind of get to the segment that I'm most excited for and have been kind of trying to run behind the scenes a little bit during this show um, is you said pick. Did, you know, they, who did they pick this year, Tony? Who did they pick this year? Like what, in the in the draft? In, in the first round, who did they pick this year? If you don't have it, I figured you might know off the top of your head. I have the answer. Uh, it's off the top of my head. Was it? Was it not Stokes? It was indeed. It was Eric Stokes, it was the quarterback. Um, and what I, what I want to do is, you know, a decent chunk of the way through the season, right? We know these players, I think, or have a good grasp of where they should be at, um, and you know, kind of where they're trending through this first season. I want to go back and I want to look through all the draft picks using the Zelo model to see which tr- which picks were good, which picks were bad, and like what is kind of the most surprising pick. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to go by, I want to, if we had more time, I maybe would have you guess because you are scarily good at this, but I, one, don't think you're going to get some of these because some of these are so obscure. I went, oh yeah, that's right. They did take that guy there. Um, and I would not have been able to guess the Zelo and I like kind of have a good idea of where the Zelo scores are at. Um, so let's start off with number one. And Tony, this is your guy. This is the guy, not your guy guy that is in the guy you love. This is the guy you love to make fun of. Um, it's Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, the Trevor Lawrence. quarterback yeah. went to Jacksonville, the Jaguars out of Clemson. Um, he's, you know, he's had a mixed bag of a season. He was promised to be Andrew Luck. He's definitely not been Andrew Luck. Um, and his rating, uh, according to Zelow, is just a simple 80, which is both Below average by quarterback standards, it's comparable to Drew Locke last season. Tony, was this the right pick, the wrong pick, or too too soon? To uh, this was the wrong pick. Honestly, I really don't think that. Like going in, before anybody drafted Trevor Lawrence, I was on this train of he's not going to be that great because I don't think he was anything special in college. I think he was on a special team. I think he did a lot of great things because he was on a great team. Uh, a lot of people, like, when you hear when you heard Trevor Lawrence coming in the draft, 
What was the one thing that everybody loved to talk about? It was his win loss, right? Actually. It was like his career win loss in high school and college, right? Mm-hmm. That he that he lost four games, I believe. Yeah, that he lost four games. Isn't football a team sport? Like quarter, like wins are not a quarterback stat. They're just not. If you have the greatest quarterback of all time in the Jets, you might go five hundred. Might go five hundred. There's like it. It doesn't make any sense to say this team of about thirty guys that will touch the field in any game. The seventeen the seventeen different coaches that go with it. We're gonna give the win credit to this guy. This one guy out of the nearly 50 that had a huge part in the game. It doesn't make any sense. It's a team sport. Football is the ultimate team sport. Honestly, I think that wins stop becoming a player stat around basketball. And that's only five to that's five to what? 10 players on the court over a given game. It doesn't make any sense to go past that, especially, you know, four times that it just, it's ridiculous. And that's kind of when I was like, if everybody loves to look at wins and losses, maybe this guy is not so special. Maybe he's just been on awesome teams. Now you put him on a terrible team and he looks really bad. Now, you know, he's a rookie. He can come back from this. I have no doubt that with the right work and the right, you know, like with the right training, I guess he can come back from this. We've seen Peyton Manning do it. He came back and he's one of the greatest of all time. So I think that it's not, impossible for him to suddenly in the next couple of years, write the ship almost, but I just do not think that he's, I don't think he's going to, I don't think it's impossible. He does, but I don't think he's going. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I think that it's hard to tell with a rookie, especially when they're surrounded by a bad team. And this, this Tony, this is a dagger to my heart. I'm stabbing myself in the heart. I'm hurting my own heart right now. Hurts to say it. Um, but you know, when a bad team is bad and you remove the quarterback and put him on a better team, I don't think he gets a whole lot better. And that's like, that's kind of showcased by Sam Darnold. So if the Jaguars continue to be bad with Lawrence at some point, it is Lawrence's fault. I'm a little, I'm going to be a little bit more skeptical, a little bit more optimistic and say that he's just on a bad team, still trying to figure it all out. Um, Another player who's on a bad team is trying to figure it out. It's quarterback Zach Wilson. I hated this draft pick from the moment it was like just speculated on. Someone said, oh, Zach Wilson's the second best. And I said, stop. Stop saying that right now. Not the second best quarterback in the draft. And he's kind of showed it this year. Like really showed it uh, really badly. He's really bad. <laughs> he, uh, at one point, he led the league in interceptions. The only reason he does it right now is because he was injured for a couple of games in which um, two journeyman quarterbacks well, not journeyman but two backup quarterbacks both looked infinitely better um zelo currently gives him a negative 43 and while i do want to speed this up because we've got 30 other guys to get through in about 13 minutes which knowing you and me probably means that it'll take us about 27 um uh do you think wilson was the right pick like he's negative 43 which is a big indictment but do you think that's just because of i i don't I don't really think so because at a certain point, at a certain point, your team is bad, but you are awful. Four touchdowns, ten interceptions this year before getting hurt. That is tragically bad. That is heinous, and I don't want to say that he's a hundred percent fully terrible. I think you know a lot of it's just poor decision making, getting adjusted to the NFL. 
It happens. Nobody expects you to be great in your first year. Mac Jones is phenomenal, and his stat line is just good, I guess. Like, good as a rookie, like, good. If you put up a good stat line for uh, a veteran quarterback as a rookie, you're phenomenal. So nobody expects you to be, you know, the next great thing, but at least have a positive touchdown interception ratio, at least crack 60% completion percentage, do something to give somebody, to give anybody like some belief in you. He's made some great throws. I have seen him make some throws that are, you know, throws that terrible quarterbacks couldn't make, but he's made so many more bad throws. Yeah, I'm I'm more optimistic on Lawrence than I am Wilson, just because we've seen other quarterbacks come in and look so much better than Wilson. Um, there was the Mike White game against the Colts. Uh, it, it, you know, Josh Johnson, those two looked really good against the Colts. And again, the Colts, we acknowledge, are at least an average defense, and Wilson has just looked horrible. To be fair, he's played the Patriots twice, so you know what? Maybe I, I feel like we could look back and be like, oh, yeah, 70% of his bad stats going against the Patriots. Um, but anyway, let's move on to the next guy. I don't want to stay here too long because the sample size isn't big enough. But, of course, it's quarterback Trey Lance. He was taken by the 49ers. Uh, Zelo assigned him a value of 86, which is the second best among quarterbacks, um, You know, because Fields, is, as we'll get to in a little bit, negative. And Jones, of course, as you alluded to, is the best one of the bunch. Um, is the sample size big enough that we can really tell anything or not at all? That value will fluctuate too much if we put him. No, absolutely not. I'm not even going to speculate about him. He's looked pretty decent rusher, I guess, but that's that's all I can take away from anything that he has done so far, just because his sample. Yeah, glad we're on the same page. Let's hop on over to tight end Kyle Pitts. Uh, he was taken by the Falcons, of course, fourth overall. He uh, is currently valued at 43, which is sounds maybe a little bit like a bummer for a wide receiver taking fourth overall, but remember, Kyle Pitts is indeed a tight end, so that does matter. It factors into the equation a little bit. Um, even if, if even if he looks on the field like a wide receiver um, at, at 43, do you think that was the right move? Uh, I do. I think that he still has the potential to be a generational all-time great tight end. I really do. I think that, you know, rookie year with, you know, Matt Ryan's in a down, more down year. Julio's gone. Calvin Ridley has been me. He hasn't really been doing anything. So he's kind of like, he's been more covered than your average tight end, which as a rookie coming into the league as a tight end, if you're getting a lot of attention, that means you're pretty good. If you're still putting up decent numbers while getting that attention, while being a rookie, I think you're, you're a good tight end. So I think it was a good pick. I think he still has the opportunity to be great. Uh, just give- And speaking of people who have garnered a lot of attention and still put up good numbers, although maybe a little bit less good than their first couple of games, uh, it's Jamar Chase, the wide receiver taken by the Bengals at fifth. Uh, He started out the season really, really good. Zelo had him as a 100-plus wide receiver, which is really hard to do. We're talking about like Tyreek Hills and Devontae Adams of the world, who are 100-plus. Since then, he's fallen a bit back more to earth. He's at 75. Tony, I didn't think that Chase would be the best wide receiver Oh, no, apologies. I did think he would be the best wide receiver because um, of Mina Kimes, I believe. Um, but I didn't think he would be this good, right? Like, this is ge- he was off to a generationally good start. Do you think that's more what we're going to see from him, or do you think we're going to see what we've seen from the past few games? Great wide receiver, but not generational. Uh, I think he is potentially going to be generational. I don't really want to knock him too much for the past couple games just because the whole team was in a slump. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. 
he's also garnering you know double coverage on every single play as a rookie if you're still put up he's put up what eight touchdowns over a thousand yards already that is absolutely ridiculous as a rookie that's really good for any wide receiver in the league these days it's phenomenal to see I know he's kind of been knocked the past couple weeks because he hasn't been doing all that much. The whole team's been struggling, so hopefully he can bounce back with the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's let's go to the next guy. I definitely agree. Um, it's Jalen Waddle. He was taken by the Dolphins at six. The Dolphins traded down, then traded back up to get him. Was that the right move? Was trading up to get Waddle the move? The model values him at 67, which is a pretty good wide receiver score, especially for a rookie, especially for a rookie who's spent a good chunk of his uh, young career catching passes, not from Tua Tagovailoa, um, but instead backup quarterbacks like Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, he's been solid. I can't really knock him too much. Everybody has kind of gone to the Jamar Chase train uh, just because he has been so dominant. But looking at his regular season stats, he's at 759 yards, four touchdowns, 77 receptions. That's, you know, for a rookie, those are really good stat lines. So I think that he's going to be, uh, you know, potentially a great wide receiver in the league. I don't think he's going to be generational, but he's already stepped up pretty. Yeah, I agree. And I think we're only going to see the chemistry between him and Tua increase. Uh, let's hop on over to this was the surprise of the draft is watching Penny Sewell fall so much. He was projected originally to go to the Bengals. Um, and he, he speculated he could have even gone higher than the Bengals. Um, but he eventually fell seventh to the Lions. I know the Panthers had their eye on him if he had fallen, but they, you know, they're obviously next. Um, by the model's own estimation, uh, Sewell is about a 31, which sounds low, but it's actually a pretty solid number for a lineman. He does have some trouble with penalties, uh, particularly holding, I believe. So good pick, bad pick. He's been billed as a generational tackle or guard. No, he's not generational. Not right now. Uh, when he came into the league, there was a lot of reports of his footwork being really, really bad. I think he's cleaned that up quite a bit. He's allowed four sacks, as you've alluded, as you talked about. He uh, he has a really, really bad problem with penalties, particularly holding. So I I just I don't think that he's going to be anything particularly special. I think he's going to be good, but you know. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's hop on to the next one. J.C. Horn taken by the Panthers. He obviously only played three games. Um, so he doesn't have a great sample size to him. His zero value is 29. Tony, the, the Panthers have now been knocked, of course, with you know hindsight, because hindsight's a beautiful 2020, uh, that the Panthers should have taken Jones or Fields here uh, instead of Horn. But obviously, we haven't actually seen a whole lot of Horn. Was that the right call taking Horn, or should they have gone in? No, that was absolutely the right call to take Horn. Corn uh, did well when he was healthy. Like, he had, I mean, as a Panthers fan, you know better than anybody. He, I think, exceeded expectations for a while. He looked like he might have been the best corner out of the draft. So I think if he wasn't injured, we'd be talking about him very differently, and nobody would be saying, oh, the Panthers should have done Yeah, no, I was thrilled with, I was not at the time thrilled with the Horn selection because I really wanted Fields. Um, I thought that that was the best move for the franchise. Um, But you know what? He did look phenomenal. I think that the Panthers are going to look back on this pick favorably, and we're going to look at a really good Panthers secondary. So I I like the pick now. I do obviously wish he hadn't been hurt, and I think that once he's back, we're going to see a a really good player. Um, But let's go to the next. It was also a secondary piece in in, uh, Patrick Sertain the second. He was taken by the Broncos ninth. His value is 48. He's not 
he was he did not live up to the hype i should say that was billed about him um until recently where he's had a i believe he had a pick six do you like certain tony or do you think they should have gone because like uh, something that the broncos were linked to was micah parsons and he was he with hindsight of course is the slam dunk of the draft that teams who took defensive pieces are going to be kicking themselves for not taking do you think they should have taken parsons or do you think certain was the right move I do think Sertain is actually the right move. He started off a little slow. It looked like Horn was going to be the better pick. Uh, then Horn got hurt. Sertain kind of fell into his own. Uh, Sertain started 10 games, three interceptions, 11 passes defended, one touchdown. He's actually tied for six in the league among all DBs with 11 passes defense. So I do think that he, uh, he's he been consistently good the past couple weeks. Uh, he's only surrendered 5.7 yards per target this season. So I think he is a really good solid corner i just think that people have kind of overlooked him because he started off a little bit slower absolutely fair um let's move to our next is devonta smith now this is the heisman award winner of this rookie draft class but his biggest knock was his size and uh you know that that size would not be sustainable in the nfl that he would get injured too much and that he would be kind of simply overpowered uh he's been fine like i don't think he's been lighting it up he's obviously a young player in a young offense though so you know kind of give him credit wait to see his zero is 48 is this the right pick tony or should they have gone in another direction i do not believe uh that there was there was only one other wide receiver taken in the first round in uh Kadarius tony um not our tony of course but do you think oh i should say also rashad bateman but do you think that smith is the right move by the eagles or should they have taken another wide receiver or a different position uh, I think it was the right move to go after wide receiver. You have to get your uh, Jalen Hurts some help. I don't think he was a bad pick. We'll see how he goes. It's rookie year. He's been okay. He can he can. All right. How about Justin Fields? He's negative twenty two. He's a particularly horrendous passer. He does make up for a little bit on the ground, but I do think that that is a little bit of an outlier because of his initial debut against the Browns. He just played so horribly that that's going to sandbag his score for the rest of his career. I mean, not the rest of his career, the rest of the season. Do you think that's a fair assumption? And do you think Fields has a future in the league? Or, you know, is is, is he a problem? Is he- uh, I definitely think that this is the perfect example of why you can never say that, you know, X is the best quarterback in the draft or Y is, you know, the second best quarterback in the draft. Maybe in college they were great, whatever. It simply doesn't translate to the NFL. Anybody can be great and anybody can be terrible. I think Justin Fields is going to be terrible, honestly. I really don't think he's going to do anything special. Four touchdowns, eight interceptions, less than 60% completion percentage. Yes, he's on a pretty bad team, but he's... Yeah, I know. That's pretty fair. All right, the crown jewel, defensively speaking, of the draft, Michael Parsons taken by Dem Cowboys, uh, 12th. He's had an outstanding season. He's the defensive rookie of the year. I think he could not play another game and would be defensive rookie of the year. Um, and, you know, can win defensive player of the year. Like, he's that good, too. Um, so should teams above him be kicking themselves or not taking him? And do the Cowboys have a generational linebacker? Yeah, he's been absolutely awesome. 67 tackles, 9 sacks, 2 forced fumbles, and 11 starts. He has 14 quarterback hits over his past four games alone. His past... His pass rush win rate is tied for third in the league among all players. Like, he's been phenomenal. There is not a better player in this draft, absolutely. 
Yeah, no, I think he's, I think that we're going to look back, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. I've said that a couple of times, and that really is something you have to remember with these picks. But yeah, he's been phenomenal. Um, I, I do want to speed it up and try to get people, we're going to go a little bit over an hour, uh, not always the goal, but it seems to happen a lot. Um, just nature of when you love talking about football, you want to keep talking about it. Rashawn Slater was taken uh, as an offensive tackle taken by the Los Angeles Chargers. And then Elijah Vera Tucker was an offensive guard taken by the New York Jets. So two offensive pieces taken back to back. Uh, Slater is a 34 and the Vera Tucker is a 33, according to the model. Pretty good numbers for Lima. They're actually better than Sewell because of that aforementioned penalties problem. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, Slater has been great. 89.7% pass block win rate. He's played 100% of the Chargers snaps through 11 games. He's been awesome. I think this is a great pick, and he's going to be. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. All right, Mac Jones, the, the best person in this draft, according to Zelo. He's uh, clearing away the best offensive piece, and he is going to win Offensive Player of the Year, just I mean, Offensive Rookie of the Year, despite a lot of people initially giving it to Jamar Chase. That really should just so, show you that anything can happen in the NFL, and you know, stuff going on early in the season is never going to end the season. Um, Tony, we, you touched on him a little bit earlier when we were talking about Wilson. Do you have any additional notes other than you know, he clearly is the best quarterback of the draft, either because of a combination of system or just you know overall like that's his, he's going. I think he's going to be phenomenal. He's had four games over the past seven with six or fewer incompletions. He's completed 70.3% of his passes overall. He's been awesome. The Patriots opened the season one and four. He's been great ever since. The system has been perfect for him. I think this just goes to show Belichick genius and Mac Jones is going to be, he's going to have a. Yeah, no, interesting. I, I do agree. I think that, you know, I wrote, a, I wrote an article on it. I think Belichick is, is the reason for that dynasty in, in a large part. Tom Brady, of course was instrumental, but I think Belichick really is the mastermind. Um, all right. So th- that is the first 15 picks of the draft and you probably don't know the rest of them. So, uh, this next one is Xavier Collins, linebacker drafted by the Cardinals. I kind of completely forgot about him. Tony, he's a value of 11. We already know that Parsons is 83. Uh, so do you think Collins is the right move? I mean, maybe, I guess. it. It's As we get deeper into the first round, it's teams that are so good that the rookies are going to make less of an impact. So I think we're starting to get to the point where you can't really – tell all that much anymore other than you other than if you have like a Micah Parsons type person who is like generationally good right off the bat it's kind of hard to tell with these guys so I guess we'll see in the future how he does as of right now it's just kind of like a not a bad pick Mm. All right, we are at the halfway point, and you know what? We do this every time. Uh, we, we come up with too much content to actually use in a show. So I think that we should probably wrap it here. We'll come back because I do like this dive kind of as a look through history, but we have another 16 picks to go and it's probably going to take at least another 20 minutes. So I want to tease um, our next our next week's content. We are going to do a fascinating interview with someone who is kind of, I think, going to revolutionize sports gambling. Tony, I know you had a great line to tease it. You want to tease our interview for next? Uh, so we're not going to announce any names or anything, but we're going to kind of tease as to what, uh, what he does and why he is well known. Uh, the stock market may have crashed a little bit over the past week, but the sports market has not, that will be understood next week. And it, it, it is a very interesting idea, a very interesting man, uh, very looking forward to it.
Yeah, no, a very well-designed big hint that's going to keep people guessing and looking. And that's why you got to come back here to find out what it is. Uh, but until then, guys, it's been great having you on. Sorry that we didn't finish the our draft coverage, but we will see you next week. We're back. We're better than ever. And we're going to keep making episodes for you. So keep enjoying them. Bye, everybody.